Well, as I said before, we're in the fourth week of this series called Teach Me to Pray, and we're going to deal with today a very, very important part of that prayer. Now, I've noticed over the few past few weeks as I've talked to people about prayer in this series that prayer is, as a conversation, you know, it's a lot, it's very similar to what I experience if I talk to people about like, well, like diet and exercise, you know, it's like, yeah, we, we, we know that we should look into that, right? Everybody knows that? Like, we should look into diet and exercise. We should be aware of that and understanding. And then somebody brings out a plate of donuts. <laughs> and like, we lose all focus. And they go, what, what should I do? You know, we don't know where to start. Prayer has been kind of like that. And the, and the goal of this series is simply to focus us on this topic so that we'll pray more. We'll spend more time talking to God because it's a central part of the Christian life. And this prayer, the Lord's Prayer that we've been studying, it gives us this, this incredible picture of God. It helps us to understand who we are, and it gives us a very simple but profound way to pray. So as we begin today, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the gift of prayer, this model of prayer, the, the way it reveals who you are, who we are, what we need what you have promised to provide. Father, we thank you for that gift. Teach us today. Teach us today to pray this prayer. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who tre trespassed against us. Father, let that be real in our lives. Help us to understand what you have done and what you're asking us to do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, up until now, up until this week, this Lord's Prayer journey has seemed pretty safe, right? Because God's got this, right? He's got this. It's kind of like this picture. God's got this. Like our dad would have us. He's right there. He's not going to let anything happen to us. If we happen to tip over a little bit, he's going to pull us back. First week, we heard how God wants to hear from us as our Father. Speak to us and talk with us. It's like, that's really, really warm. That's really friendly. That's really encouraging and supportive. Second week, we, we talked about, about his kingdom coming, that God is in the, in the middle of restoring what was originally planned for humanity. He's going to make it better. He's going to fix the problems and someday recreate this perfect earth, and we're a part of it. I mean, that is inspiring, isn't it? The beauty of his kingdom coming into the world. The last week we were awakened to the reality that we're dependent on God even for the smallest things in our lives, daily bread. We're dependent, and he is a dependable God. That's what we learned last week. So all that's very, very safe. And then we get to this phrase, this phrase in the Lord's Prayer. And all of a sudden, things change. And they go from, they go from, this nice, warm, fuzzy feeling to very serious part of our faith and our response to what God has done for us. Read this with me. Pray then like this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You sense it? You feel the weight of it? Sometimes we just blow through these phrases and we don't even think what they mean. Augustine, an early church father, looked at this portion of the Lord's Prayer, and he said, this is the terrible petition in the Lord's Prayer. Why is it terrible? Because he says, if you look at that phrase, if you study it, if you think about it, if you don't let it just go right, zip over the top of your head, that you realize what you're praying for when you pray this prayer, you're asking 
You're asking God to treat you just like you treat other people. When it comes to forgiveness, that would be a big deal. That would be a huge challenge. Do you sense the tension? It's like, what does that really mean? Because I thought I was a forgiven, loved child of God. What does it mean that he's only going to forgive me as I forgive other people? We want to wrestle with that today. We want to try to understand the gift of forgiveness that's been given to us and what it means for us as we forgive others. But I want you to feel it. This is a strong teaching. Most people don't realize that the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, when it's presented, right after they get all, Jesus gets done with the prayer portion, he says these words. They're strong words. He says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. I know that's strong teaching, isn't it? And it couldn't mean that we're not forgiven, could it? I don't think so. I think that really what, what, what Jesus is trying to impress upon us and what we need to see today is that, look, if we have trouble forgiving other people, we need to run back to our Father again and re-experience the magnificent, incredible, powerful, rich, full experience of his love and forgiveness for us so that we can share it with other people. Now, before we get into it and unpack why that's true, I think I need to clear up some language things because, you know, the, the way that I learned the Lord's Prayer was a little different than what we say here in the Lutheran Church. See, this is the way I learned it. I said, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Uh, have, I ever told you that, have I ever told you guys I was raised in the Baptist Church? Have I ever mentioned that? <laughs> Once or twice? Amen? Amen? Amen, yeah. So when I was growing up, this is the way I learned the prayer, you know? But, you know, I married a Catholic girl, and when a, when a Baptist marries a Catholic, you become a Lutheran, right? <laughs> and so I go to this Lutheran service for the very first time, and, you know, we say the prayer totally different. And they say it like this, the way we're used to saying it, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And it's like, yeah, that's why my mom and dad warned me about the Lutherans. I mean, they're changing the Lord's Prayer for crying out loud. How could that be? But see, there's these different versions of this prayer, and I just wanted to mention this because they help us actually to understand the true nature of sin. There's different words used. I'll show you a little bit more about that. But then we get to this Matthew passage that we just read, and it's not even trespasses. Have you ever made that connection? It's debts. That's the way the, the actual words in Matthew chapter 6, that's the way they read. There's another version of the prayer in Luke chapter 11, and it uses sins. And then that words, the words we just saw of Jesus right after the prayer uses trespasses. Like, what's going on? If you want to know more about the history of how we ended up really landing on trespasses as, a Lutheran, uh, as Lutherans, uh, write that on your Connect card. I'd be happy to send you the history if you're a history buff. It's fascinating. The point being, though, is that those three words really help us understand the true nature of sin. So when you look at sin, the word sin... They're over, by the way, there were over 30 words for sin in the New Testament, you know? And I kind of figure, like, why did that have to happen? It's because we keep inventing new ways to sin, right? I mean, you've got to have a new word for it. And so there's all these different words, but one of the most common ones is this word, just sin in Greek. It's a little different than that, but here's what it means. It just means missing the mark. Missing the mark. God's will for us would be the center, the bullseye, and we just don't hit it. Anybody ever feel like that in their lives? Like, you try, you take careful aim, and yet you just miss the mark. 
And so that's the first word, sin. And so, yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, missing the mark, it's a good mental image for us. And then there's the no trespassing, the trespass, the idea of a misstep or a false step. One of the ways you can think about that is crossing over a line. In the rural town I grew up in, Kirksville, Missouri, there were, there were farms that had no trespassing signs on them. And we knew as rowdy teenagers which ones of those signs were shotgun protected. <laughs> we knew. You don't cross over that line. You just don't go there. But see, as people, we do that, don't we? We, we miss the mark and we go across the line. We step over it and we sin. And sin is a destructive force. So whenever a sin happens, something is destroyed, lost, or taken. And so it becomes a debt. Something to be repaid. And that's why we talk about criminals. Because what do criminals do when they go to jail? They pay their debt to society. Now the only problem when it comes to our interactions with other human beings is that sometimes that debt cannot be made right. It cannot be paid fully. It cannot be restored, what is lost or destroyed. And so there's this issue of what do you do? Because you have all this debt. So we want to talk this morning about the concept of debt and how it is such a good illustration because it helps us to understand what Jesus has done for us. When we pray for forgiveness, what he has done for us is he has taken our debt. So... um, we know some things about debt, and uh, the first thing we know is that if you owe it, you must what? You must pay it. That's right, exactly right. If you owe a debt, you must pay it. So if you went to college, you probably have college debt, right? Any of the college students in the room? You're going to probably shake your head on that. Today, that's a big deal. If, if, um, if you have a, a house, what kind of debt do you have? Mortgage debt. Right? If you've gotten to spend a lot of money on a big, big TV, what kind of debt do you have? It's called high-definition debt, right? <laughs> and, you know, and, and if you've got a credit card, you have something called evil compounding debt that just grows and grows and grows. But see, we know if you owe it, you have to pay it. If you owe it, you have to pay it. That's what debt is all about. Have you ever been out to dinner, maybe with another couple, and, and you enjoyed dinner? You know, you're in a fancy restaurant, you order the filet mignon. You have maybe an extra couple of glasses of wine or something, you know, not thinking so much about the debt, you know, but you know it's coming and it's going to be significant, you know, big debt. And the check comes on the table and all of a sudden the people you're with grab the check and pay it. What's your first thought? I should have had dessert. <laughs> Yeah, because somebody else is going to pay the debt. Somebody else is going to lay down their visa for you. They paid the debt, but it has to be paid. So these three words help us to understand that debt is a problem when it comes to sin, that there's something there that has to be paid. Now, we have to to understand this fully. We have to know that we're born with debt. That's what we teach as a church. We know that uh, that when, when we're born, according to Psalm 51.5, we're, we're sinful from birth. We have the capacity to sin. We have a debt already started even just at that point. But here's what happens. You know, we grow up to adolescence, right? And we begin to pile on some actual sin debt. We do stuff. 
you know, you, you, you get to some freedom, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, and you begin to do stuff and experiment with stuff, stuff you'll never tell your parents, right? You ever have those discussions later on, you know, and they you found out they knew anyway? But then you get to college, you say, I'm going to major in this subject, but you're majoring in something totally different that you certainly wouldn't tell your parents, right? <laughs> and then we get to be adults, and, and we, we can have secret sins that we don't share with anybody, and that mountain of debt continues to grow. It starts small, and that mountain of moral debt grows and grows and grows. And, and you know, you might label that mountain, as you get a little older, reasons why I can't run for president. Oh, wait a minute, that doesn't work anymore, does it? <laughs> Used to be that way. But that mountain of moral debt has to be paid. And here's what debt does, that, that sin debt does. It's very important. The debt of sin separates us from God and from others. It separates us. Have you ever owed somebody money and didn't have the money to pay it? And they come knocking on the door, they'll text you, they call you. What do you do? It's like, oh, I don't want to respond to that. <laughs> I don't have the money yet. I can't pay the debt. It separates you. It puts a barrier between the two of you because you have a debt that you can't pay. And that's exactly what happens between you and God, between us and God, and between people when there's a debt. Isaiah, the prophet, writes about it this way. He says, but your iniquities, your sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Now, that was written by an Old Testament prophet. We know this problem of sin has been solved, so God never gets to the point where he doesn't hear you. So I wanted to make sure you knew that. But the point is clear, isn't it? That sin has that potential because you can be so involved in sin and so caught up in it and so guilty that you walk away from God. So it's a very clear warning. Sin separates people. Sin separates us from God. And we have to think about that separation between people for a moment because it hurts. When somebody sins against you, it hurts. It's painful. And, and it, may, it may be petty or it may be big, but it's real and we feel it. And we have to understand what to do with it and how do we handle it because it separates us from people. It keeps us from also sharing God's love with others as well. I mean, it could be as simple as a, a friend who shares a secret that you didn't want told. Or a coworker who takes credit for something you did, or a mom who belittles you, or an uncle who attacks, who attacks you, or a, a dad who's always critical of you. It could be any of those things, but it's still that hurt and that pain that you feel when somebody sins against you. And how do you, how do you deal with that? What, 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 what do you do with those feelings? That's what this prayer is all about. Everybody knows what this means, right? I owe you. And, and that's what we say when there's a debt between two people. But the reality is, to be honest with you, that's an agreed upon debt between two people. Really what I'm talking about or what, what this prayer talks about is this. You owe me. Who's on your debtor list today? Who are you holding in captivity because they hurt you. How can you set them free? A lot of times what we try to do in, uh, when we have UOMEs, when we have a stack of them, we try to pretend like they don't really hurt. I'm okay. 
No, I'm okay. But you're not. We're not. And we let that fester inside of us, and we don't deal with it, and ultimately it becomes destructive to us. It poisons us because we hold on to it. And then, you know, it, it can grow into a point where we begin to, like, take it out on that person. We see him, and we remind him. Every time we see him, we remind him. Do you remember when you did that? Or maybe, maybe we even say to them, you owe me. You owe me. You need to pay up. You owe me. You've got to restore what you did to me. And unfortunately, they can't. Because when sin destroys and breaks things, it, you can't always put the pieces back together again. And we hold that all inside of us, and it, it ends up poisoning, it ends up destructive to us. Because we're holding on to you owe me. And we need to figure out what are we going to do? What's the strategy? How can we deal with the Uomis in our life? Because we're all holding on to them. We all have them. We all have people that have hurt us. And the plan that God has is, is forgiveness. That's the clarity that we have to have. His, we, will, we are to forgive. That's the way it works. And forgiveness, it comes through sacrifice. There has to be a sacrifice, a payment for debt. And it's for the purpose of restoring relationships. Now, the, see, the thing as a Christian is you remember that you're praying, forgive me of my trespasses, that that debt has already been paid for you. Can you take what has been given to you and give it to someone else is the question. Look at, look at this phrase or this passage from Colossians. God has reconciled you to himself by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Do you realize that God has obliterated sin with Jesus Christ and his sacrifice? Obliterated it. Sin is not the problem. It's gone. Now we still let it hold us in bondage. But Jesus is saying, look, the Father does not hold you, he does not hold you hostage over your sin debt. It has been paid. I made the sacrifice so you could have that relationship. But so many people today don't understand that, that past sins, present sins, and even our future screw-ups have already been paid for. That sacrifice was made. And that now you are reconciled to God fully and completely and absolutely. And it is your right, your gift from God. You have been forgiven. But we need to hear that over and over and over again. That's why that prayer is so important. Because Satan wants to steal this thought from your mind. He wants to take it from you. He wants to accuse you. That's his, his nature and his job description. And we can't let him do it. That's why this prayer, when we pray it, we re-receive God's grace again and again and again. And the key here is that when we're dealing with our own Uomis, See, God never gives us things to keep. He only gives us things to share. And that's true with your life and, and with your finances and your giftedness. I mean, it's true, for, it's true for all of that, but it's most importantly true for this idea of forgiveness. He gives it to you so you can share it with other people. Knowing fully that you have been forgiven, that you are absolutely, totally, fully, completely a child of God, that sin has been obliterated, your debt has been paid. And when you pray this prayer, you, you, you go to God's word and you say, look, 
This is the psalmist. He says, test me, try me, examine my heart and mind, find any sin in me that I might not be acknowledging, acknowledging and, and just remind me again that you've already taken care of it. I am a forgiven, loved child of God. You've heard me say this over and over again. But yet we have to receive this gift again and again and again because we live in this desert of sin, don't we? Where we're constantly tempted to break the laws, to trespass, to miss the mark, and we incur that debt. We think we do. It feels like it. It's like this, you know, the desert. It's a desert world, a desert of sin, and you're thirsty, you're dry, you're parched, and somebody comes up with a bottle of water, cold, crisp, clean, clear water, and you down that water, and you just feel that refreshment come over you. Like, oh, unbelievable. And then, then the person says, look, you're out in the desert. Here, have a few bottles for your backpack. And refreshed, you take off through the desert, but yet you're still in the desert. And so a little while later, you begin to what? You get thirsty again. Or you make bad choices again. Or somebody comes along and hurts you again. And you're stumbling in the desert. And oftentimes, what do we do? We forget we're carrying water. That our backpack is full, that we can't, we can just get another bottle and drink it again and re-experience that refreshment again. Except the problem is it's not like that little bottle there at all. It's like this. refreshing and never-ending and more than we could ever need. And that's why when John writes about it, he says, whoever drinks of that water I'll give him will never be thirsty again. But that water I give him will, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life because that forgiveness just washes over us and gives us that gift of forgiveness whenever we need it, however much we need it. That's what this is all about. The Apostle Paul writes this attitude of forgiveness is the way we should live. We should live as God's chosen people, compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient. We should bear with one another, and if there's a complaint, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You might consider forgiveness. No, you must forgive. Because if you don't, if you don't, it will poison you. So you need to live under the waterfall of grace that floods our life, that God wants to give you over and over again this gift so you can share it with others, this life-giving gift of forgiveness. So embrace the attitude of forgiveness. Confess that it's hard. Know that it's hard. The goal is this, a debt-free zone in your life. No you omis. No you omis in our lives. We set people free. We set people free. There's a, there's a financial show where you can call in when you're debt-free and you can scream out, I'm debt-free, and that's our scream today. I'm debt-free. And because we are, we can set other people free. Now, I acknowledge it's hard. I get that reality. It's one of the hardest things to do, but it is possible because as we live in the great gift of grace that God has given us, it empowers us to turn and forgive even the most horrible things that would, a person would do to us. We can forgive them. Matthew West, the Christian artist, has, has a song called Forgiveness, and the story behind that song, 
he, that he tells is in a video. I just want you to watch for a moment and hear this incredible story of forgiveness. Megan is um, a very joyful child and had a heart of gold, beautiful, loved people, loved her family, um, just a joy of my life. And um, when she was 20 years old on May 11th, 2002, uh, my sister-in-law came to the door to tell me that um, Megan had been in a car accident and she didn't make it. You know, my heart was so broken and I looked at her and said, no, you're kidding. And, you know, still looking for her to tell me that, that she's, this is not really true, that Megan wasn't coming back home. Next thing she knows, she finds herself in a courtroom watching this young man, this 24-year-old man, get sentenced to 22 years in prison. After Renee lost her daughter, she said she found herself in the darkest place she'd ever been. This guy Eric was behind bars, but she said she felt like the prisoner. Why? Because she had all this bitterness and hatred built up towards that young man. And so she reached out and did the impossible. She reached out to Eric in prison and said, I forgive you. The ripple effects of that act of forgiveness are still being felt today. That young man's life was absolutely changed because this woman forgave him. It's the hardest thing to give away, the last thing on your mind today. And it always goes to those who don't deserve It's the opposite of how you feel When the pain they cause is just too real Takes everything you have to say the word Forgiveness Who's on your you owe me list today? Who do you need to set free? Who do you need to forgive? My challenge to you is, I know it's hard. Go back to this gift of grace. Experience again. Let God reassure you of that great gift so that it can overflow and be shared with those that have sinned against you. Pray that prayer this week. Would you pray with me? We thank you so much for this incredible gift of grace that overflows in our lives. I pray that it would be real and powerful in every life here and that we could share it with others. Let us demonstrate the love of Christ through the amazing act of forgiveness, no matter what the circumstance and the situation, that Christ would be real in this world full of sin, that people could see and we could point back to what Jesus has done for all people, including us, that they could see that sacrifice, that debt has been paid. Father, let that be so in our lives, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.